When I was in seminary, I worked a full-time job as an accounting clerk at a cardiology clinic, and uh, that clinic had several different uh, locations, and at times it made the job difficult because uh, we would all do things just a little bit differently. So uh, at times they would see the need for us to, to be more on the same page, so they would, they would gather us together and have us attend these day-long seminars in a central location. And these seminars, they covered a wide variety of, of topics. Some dealt specifically with our job and how to do that job properly and more efficiently and work more cohesively together. And uh, at other times, the topic dealt with behavioral issues that needed to be addressed as well, the proper way to conduct yourself in the workplace. And one of the more memorable seminars, I don't remember very many of them, but one that did stick out to me was one that we went to on how to get along with others in the workplace. We spent the entire day on that one topic, and believe me when I say it was needed, there was a lot of butting heads going on in the office and at other offices as well. And one of the things that, that made this seminar so memorable for me was the speaker. The guy was a very dynamic guy, extremely gifted communicator. He provided lots of, of great illustrations and, and activities and object lessons that helped make his point and, and helped make it easy to remember by us. And, and of all the conferences that I attended, I remember coming away from that one with, with everyone really coming away being truly impressed by what they heard that day. At the end of the day, the talk around the water cooler literally was how everyone enjoyed him and enjoyed that conference. And I talked to one lady who was so impressed with the principles that were presented that she was going to go home and, and apply them in her home as well. One of the principles that he talked about that uh, was, was a very memorable one, an important point that he made, was, was on the importance of us being what he called servant workers. Servant workers. He, he shared with us that the key for us getting along with others in the workplace, the key to being successful in your job and in life is by taking on the role of a servant, by adopting the I'm second mentality is what he said. That says others first, self second. He said putting others first is, is so important. Serving others above yourself is the key to a peaceful work environment and a productive Workplace, And I remember some of my co-workers talking about that principle as if they had never heard it before or thought about it before. They were saying things like, you know what, that just makes sense. That just sounds right. That sounds like what we are to be doing. I've never thought about it before. But, but believers, we've heard that before, right? We have. We've heard about this principle. This principle should be nothing new to you. You've probably attended a conference like that where you heard that exact same principle. Maybe you were part of an organization that, that lived by that philosophy. I was in Rotary for a while, and, and one of the, the uh, philosophies at, at Rotary to be a Rotarian is you put service above self. Service above self. 
We've heard that before, haven't we? It's an important principle to adopt. But listen, believers, it's nothing new, is it? It's not. That didn't originate with that guy I heard when I was working at the cardiology clinic. It did not uh, originate with, with Rotary. That principle goes back much, much further than that. And we're going to see that in our text this morning. And you learn that when you study through Scripture. Service above self, others before yourself, taking on the role of a servant. That is, that is taught clearly in Scripture and exampled by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus taught that, did he not? Mark chapter 4, verse 35, he says, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he exampled this for us. This morning we're going to look at the perfect example of service before self, serving others first, putting ourselves first by looking at the person and work of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. We are continuing our series entitled Discovering Fellowship. We've been talking about who we are as a church and our church's mission statement. I want to look at it again. We've looked at it each week, but let's look at our mission statement again. Here it is up on the screen. It says this, Fellowship Bible Church exists for the purpose of making disciples by escorting people to Christ, establishing people in truth, and equipping people for ministry. We want to see people through the ministries of this church who don't know Christ come to know Christ so we can rejoice like we did this morning. Amen? This is what we're to be doing as a church. But we don't just want to see that. We don't just want to see, uh, we, we want to see people trusting Christ, but not just stay there being infants spiritually. We want to see them grow in godliness. We want to take people from where they are and through the ministries of this church, move them forward in their faith and equip them to do likewise, to escort others to Christ and establish others in the truth. And what we've discussed so far in this study is that the church, this church, is where this happens. Several weeks ago, I shared with you that we at Fellowship, we are all about making disciples. And to support this biblically, we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, and I discussed that the, my role as pastor of this church is to do just that, to use the gifts God has given me to equip believers to use their gifts for the purpose of ministry so that the church is built up. That is the what of our mission statement, the what aspect. If someone were to ask you, what is Fellowship Bible Church all about? You can tell them we're all about making disciples, as it says in Scripture. In the weeks to follow, I've been sharing with you the how aspect of our mission statement. The what is, we're to be making disciples. How do we do that? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we explained that one way we do this is through corporate Worship. That's one way we move people forward in their faith is through our corporate time here Sunday after Sunday. We talked about the fact that what takes place at this time in this place is essential for your growth and godliness to, to equip you to grow. And this is the time we get instructed on how to be a worshiper of the one true and li living God, right? To worship God 
properly, we have to get equipped appropriately. That's what we learned from the woman at the well, right? We have to get equipped in the truth. Therefore, it's necessary for you to come here on a regular basis so that you can get equipped through God's Word to be who God has called you to be out there in the world as His representatives, okay? Last week, we, we talked also about the second key way people grow in Christ is by connecting with believers. We discussed that we cannot be who God has called us to be if we refuse to associate with God's people. God has not created you and saved you to live your Christian life in isolation by yourself. He wants you to connect with God's people. He wants you to love his family and meet together for the purpose of sharpening one another and pouring into one another and loving one another and encouraging one another and building one another up, which we're clearly told we're to be doing in Scripture. We talked about the fact that how can you do all the one another's if you don't associate with one another? You can't be faithful as a believer apart from that. So it's very, very important that we connect together. And we did that last week. I, I saw some pictures from small group. Our different small groups met last week. We got our men's and women's Bible studies going as well. Wonderful ways for you to get connected. So that's two of the hows of our mission statement. Through, through worship and through connecting, we grow in godliness. Today we're going to talk about serving. We at Fellowship are all about serving. We're going to look this morning at our perfect example of service and humility by looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to discuss how we as believers are to be following his example. So let's look at Christ's example from God's word, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Here's the first principle we learn. The first thing we learn about the Lord Jesus Christ, about service. Number one, we are not to think too highly of ourselves. Don't think too highly of yourself. That's the first key to being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in Philippians 2.5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So let's, let's stop there for just a minute. Notice first that Paul explains in this passage, Christ has the highest position in all existence in that he is God. He is God the Son, the eternal God. In, in verse 6, in the NASB, it translates it, although he existed. Paul is speaking of a time before Christ came to earth, which tells us Christ existed before he came to earth. He is eternal. He has always existed. And then it says, in the form of God, meaning Christ is God. He is divine. So what Paul is saying here is, before coming to earth, before taking on flesh, Christ existed as the eternal Son of God, equal in person to God the Father. He has always existed before the beginning began, right? But even though that's the case, even though he was, Christ was equal in nature, essence, and form with God, Paul tells us Christ refused to selfishly cling to his equality with God. He says, though he was in the form of God, he did not 
count equality with God a thing to be grasped, a thing to cling to. And believers, aren't you glad he didn't? Aren't you glad that Christ did not count equality with God a a, a thing to cling to? Aren't you glad that Christ didn't say, I have the same nature and essence as the Father, I am one with Him, I am equal to Him, I am God, therefore I refuse to become a part of my creation because I am Creator God. Aren't you glad He didn't say that? Paul is too. That's why he takes time here to highlight the fact Christ did not cling to his equality with God, but instead he humbled himself. Now, I have to say this. Just because Christ humbled himself in this way, that does not mean that Christ gave up his authority or his title or his essence as God. All right? It just means that he did not cling to all the advantages that come with being God. He took on limitations by taking on human flesh. Now, at times, we see those advantages of his divinity shine through in his earthly ministry, right? We see that he, he knows what's on the minds and the hearts of people. We don't know that, but Christ does because he's God. He knows what's going to happen. He heals the sick. He raises the dead to life. Right? He calms the storm. He has has power over the elements, over nature. He multiplies the loaves of bread and the fish to feed 4,000 and and 5,000. He turns water to wine. We see that shine through, but we're also told here he was limited because of what he took on. All right? He's still fully God, present everywhere during his time here on earth. But as a man, he's limited by space and time. He gets tired, he gets hungry, right? It's hard for us to wrap our minds around that, the mystery of the incarnation. It it goes beyond our reasoning, right? But, But Scripture clearly teaches this. Now, what's ironic about this is that Christ, get this now, who is in very nature, form, and essence with God, could have clinged tightly to the advantages of being God. He could have refused to humble himself, but he didn't. Instead, he chose to condescend down to us. He became one of us. He didn't have to, but he did. And the ironic thing is that though he had every right to remain where he was in his exalted position, Christ chose to humble himself while we get ready to get your toes sore who are not even close to being in the position that Christ is in, refuse to humble ourselves. Is that not true? It's important for us to remember Christ's humility. Remind ourselves of that because let's be honest, we need more of it. We do. We, We think too highly of ourselves. We think that there are certain things that that are beneath us that we should, in fact, be doing. This is the message in our world today. Our world tells us you deserve better. We see commercials about that all the time, right? The world tells us you deserve the finer things. There are certain roles that you should view as being beneath you. The world tells us we're too special for certain things, that we should think higher of ourselves than we should. Listen, though scripture is clear that we are special believers in that we are created in the image of God, scripture is also clear. Get ready to get your 
your toes sore, that we are not nearly as great and as important as we think we are. We need to have a correct view of ourselves and being reminded of how Christ humbled himself should put things into perspective for us believers and should affect the way we view ourselves and our service toward others. I mean, may we reason in this way. Listen, if Christ, who is infinitely greater than us, did not consider equality with God a thing to cling to, his status, a thing to cling to, then neither should we. If he could humble himself, how much more so should we believers be humbling ourselves? So don't think too highly of yourself. Second thing we learn from Christ's example in Philippians 2, we should not refuse to serve because of status. Never refuse to serve because of status. Look at verse 7. Christ made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now, Paul says Christ made himself nothing. When he says that, or when he said Christ emptied himself, again, don't think in terms of subtraction, but addition, okay? Not in terms of what Christ gave up, but in terms of what he took on. You with me? Paul is not saying here Christ became less than God or, or gave up some divine attribute. Nothing is subtracted from Christ. Instead, something is added to him. Paul says Christ made himself nothing by taking on the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men. In other words, Christ emptied himself by becoming one of us, and that should humble us, shouldn't it? And by becoming a man, Christ did something he didn't have to do. He took on a role he did not have to take on. If this is true of Christ, again, how much more so should this be true of us? I'll be honest with you. There are a lot of tasks that we need done in the church today that people won't do because they somehow think they're above it. Christ could have rightly said, I'm God, I'm not going to empty myself, I'm not going to become one of my created beings, I'm above that, but aren't you glad he didn't? And he calls for us to follow in his example. A while back, there was a story circulating about a football player named Pat Tillman. Y'all remember this story? walked away from a lucrative career making millions in the NFL to serve in the military, and that cost him his life. He could have chosen to stay and play football, live a life of luxury, reap all the benefits that come with being a professional athlete, but instead, in his country's time of need, he chose service over status, walked away from the NFL, and he gave his life serving his country. Listen, believers, although Christ had every right to stay where he was, cling to all the benefits that come from his divine status. Instead, he came to us at our time of need. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul says, Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And Paul tells us here in Philippians 2 that we're to have this kind of mind in us. 
We're to follow in his footsteps. As Christ humbled himself, served us in our time of need, Paul calls for us to do the same, to not refuse to serve because of status. He basically says, I don't care how many letters you have behind your name. I don't care if you're a doctor, a lawyer, a wealthy businessman, successful businesswoman, if Christ has become poor so that you might become rich, if he has stepped off his throne and wrapped a towel around his waist and washed his disciples' feet, if he did not come to be served but to serve, how much more so should you? That's a pretty good point, isn't it? Number three. Third thing we learn from Christ's example is to be willing to go above and beyond for others. Paul says, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Did Jesus go above and beyond for us? Better believe it. Every step of the way to Calvary he did. Again, notice that, that he went above and beyond by becoming one of us. Again, he was found in human form. The creator entered into his creation, not just as a human, but a lowly human. Son of a carpenter from Nazareth, his glory concealed. He appeared outwardly as just another face in the crowd. John wrote, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. John 1, 10 through 11. We are told that the most religious did not believe in him. Even those in his own family had their doubts. For the majority of his ministry, Christ's glory was, was concealed for the most part. And he did not try to avoid this lowly state. He was the exact opposite of us, right? We do try to avoid peering lowly. We really do. We buy nice clothes, drive nice cars, put trophies on the wall, on the shelves, and diplomas on the wall, right? I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to help you get a better understanding of the great humility that Christ showed by becoming one of us. Paul also mentions here, Christ humbled himself once again. He had a humble attitude throughout his entire life, throughout his entire earthly ministry. We see that Christ did not turn anyone away, no matter how lowly. He ministered to prostitutes and tax collectors and, and many different kinds and types of sinners. He was extremely generous with his time. He poured his life into others. Think about yourself. Put yourself in Jesus' sandals for a moment. If you're God, there are certain tasks you're going to view as being below you, right? If you're God. You know how I know that? Because we think that way now and we're not God. Another way Christ went above and beyond is by being obedient for us. Christ not only died for us, he lived for us. That's the reason he came as a newborn baby. It's because he had to do what Adam failed to do. He had to live his entire life in perfect obedience to God for us. In Romans 5, 19, we're told, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. That one is Jesus. Through his obedience, we're made righteous 
Only through Christ's righteous life can we be considered righteous. And not only that, Paul also tells us that Jesus went much, much further than that by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now notice Paul separates death from death on a cross because in that day there was death and then there was death by crucifixion, which was the worst form of punishment imaginable. Crucifixion is the most cruel and painful and shameful form of execution ever conceived. It was reserved for slaves, for the lowest of criminals, enemies of the state. It was such a shameful way to be put to death that no Roman citizen could be crucified no matter how terrible their crime was. That's how shameful it was. And so Paul shows us in this passage, Christ went above and beyond for us. He refused to cling to his equality with God. He emptied himself. He took on flesh. He became a lowly servant. He obeyed for us to the point of laying his life down on a pain death on a shameful cross for us and the point that Paul is making here is if Christ humbled himself to this extent how much more so should we be willing to humble ourselves CT stud I, I wish I had that name it's a cool name CT stud he once said this he says if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. So true. If we're going to follow Christ's example, we're going to have to be willing to sacrifice. We're going to have to be willing to go above and beyond in our service of others. If, if the purest of all to ever live willingly endured betrayal, Denial, trial, beating, mockery, crucifixion, and the very wrath of God for us. How much more so should we be willing to roll up our sleeves, obey God, sacrifice for others, and go above and beyond in that service toward others? It's a good point Paul's making. I pray that we're listening. Before we close, there are a few things I, I want to say in addition to this text about service, and then we'll come back and close out this passage of Scripture. I want to take a few moments in addition to this text to explain to you why it's important for you as believers to serve here at Fellowship. The main reason why is because getting involved, rolling up your, your sleeves, getting your hands dirty, and doing the work of ministry, it, it benefits you. It does. You grow in godliness when you serve. Though needs need to be met, and God wants to use you to be a blessing to this church, a blessing to others, you also serve, we want you to serve, because you being involved in serving others and putting others before yourself in this way, it's a key way for you to mature in your faith. In, in John 13, you're going to read that this week in your scripture reading in 1 through 17, that passage there, Christ gives his disciples a, a wonderful example of service above self, right? He washes their feet, and then he calls for them to do likewise, not necessarily literally wash people's feet. Don't go around, you don't have to go around doing that all the time. 
Maybe you need to sometimes, but, but he's talking about in general service. And then he says, in verse 17, he says, Blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you who serve, he says. He says, those who serve others, they're blessed. Now, we don't often think about this when we serve. We think the one we're serving is being a recipient of blessing, but we don't often think of the fact that we're blessed when we serve. But servants out here, they can, they can, you can attest, right? It's a blessing to serve. There is an immediate blessing, and there is eternal blessing through service. As we've said already, service is a means by which we, we grow in godliness. When we serve, we are impacted in an immediate way. We grow in, in Christ, become more and more like Him. But there is also eternal reward as well. When we selflessly serve others, people see Christ in us. And that makes an impact, doesn't it? Sometimes an eternal one. Very, very important. Well, let's look back at the text quickly, and then we'll close this out. Beginning in verse 9, Paul's going to show us here once again through Christ's example how there is joy and blessing to be had in humility and service. He says, therefore, now what's the therefore, therefore? We have to always ask that question, right? Remember, it's taking us back to what's just been said. He's been giving an example of Christ and, and the fact that he put others before himself. He became one of us. He obeyed for us. He laid down his life for us. But he didn't stay in the grave, did he? No. Look, therefore... In light of what Christ has done, because he's done this work, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Although Jesus humbled himself, he put, put aside divine privileges that were rightfully his, and he took on flesh. He became a, a, a servant. He was obedient to the point of a painful death on a shameful cross. It is important that we remember he did not remain in that lowly state, did he? If you want more on this story, come around Easter. We're going to be looking at Mark's account of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We're going to talk more about that then, but, but we learn here he didn't remain in this lowly state. Although Christ emptied himself by taking on flesh though his glory was concealed he endured punishment and shame at the cross on our behalf God the Father responds by highly exalting Jesus by giving him the name that is above every name and Paul goes on to say there is coming a day when every knee is going to bow before him and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father now listen folks we learn here from Christ that although humility and service are not always easy, though at times it's tough, get this, the joy and the blessing to be experienced through it is unmatched. A key teaching that we see over and over again throughout the scripture is that God exalts the humble and he punishes the proud. Proverbs 3.34 God mocks proud mockers but gives grace to the humble. 
Christ said in Matthew 23, 11 through 12, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We see that wonderful example of that, right, in Philippians chapter 2 with Christ. Let me ask you, believers, are, are you feeling today as if you don't feel appreciated for your service to the church and for your service to other people? You feel as if you're getting taken advantage of by others? When you put others before yourself, listen, I want to encourage you this morning. God knows what you do. And that's all that matters. That should be all that matters to you. He knows. And he's pleased when you serve him in that way. And he works in and through that. That silent service to work for his kingdom purposes and to grow you in godliness. Look at how he exalted Christ. He bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at his name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And today, folks, we, we, we have a decision to make on whether or not we will bow to Christ. Scripture is clear that there is coming a day when all of creation, that's what we learn here, all of creation will recognize Christ as Lord of all creation, as the King of all kings. Now, does that mean everyone will be saved? No. Scripture clearly teaches the opposite. In that day, those who have loved Him, trusted in Him, faithfully followed Him in this life will, will, will bow in adoration and worship. Those trusting in Christ, they will bow in adoration and worship as they await eternity spent with Him in glory with His people. While those who have refused to follow Christ, who have refused to give their lives up and over to Him, they will also acknowledge his authority and his divine right to rule. They will bow in submission and fear as they await judgment. Not my words, God's words. Either way, Christ will be exalted. But I urge you now today, if you have not, confess him as Lord right now. Trust in Him for your salvation right now. Faithfully follow Him right now, today. Before we can live humbly for Christ, we have to first be humbled. And the way in which we're humbled is through His Word. His Word has some sobering things to say about you and me. It says that we have rebelled against God. We have carved out a life on our own, apart from and opposed to Him. That sets us against God. God is very clear on this in Scripture, but He's also very clear on some very good news that though that's the case, He sent Christ to obey for us, to live for us, to lay down His life so that we, through Christ's sacrifice, through trusting in Him alone for salvation, can be forgiven of our sin and restored back to a right relationship with the living God. Before you can live humbly, you have to be humbled by that truth. You have to acknowledge your sin and your need for salvation and turn from that sin and make Christ Lord. Is Christ your Lord today? 
Have you given the reins of your life up and over to him? Have you bowed your knee to King Jesus? If not, I pray you would right now here today. Let's pray.